the Holy Gospel according to Luke. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. This is one of those Sundays when the assigned lectionary readings are beautifully packaged together in a complimentary way. I don't know if you noticed it, but did you hear the clear connections between the Gospel reading in Luke and the first reading from 1 Kings? The reading from 1 Kings is about Elijah passing on his prophetic ministry to his successor, Elisha. Now, Elijah put his mantle on him, kind of like an outer coat made out of animal hide, on Elisha, which is a sign that Elijah is passing on his ministry and calling Elisha to follow him. Elisha makes a request first. Let me go say goodbye to my family which, if you fast forward to the Gospel of Luke, is the exact same request that one of the people called to follow Jesus makes. Elijah has his doubts. He doubts whether this is a good idea, whether Elisha is the right person for the call, but Elisha does something to symbolize his commitment. He goes back home to say goodbye, but when he got there, he took the oxen that he had been plowing with and slaughtered them. He took his farming equipment, set it on fire, and used it to cook a meal. We'll talk about cutting ties. And in that story, Elisha paints this picture of what the model disciple looks like. He asks to return home, but what he does there completely seals the deal that he is fully committed and surrendered to following Elijah and not returning back to his old way of life. What can he return back to? He slaughtered and burned all of his possessions. God has called, and he is going to follow no matter what. Now, jump back to the gospel according to Luke. Elijah is in the background of this passage the whole time. Before this, Herod has heard a rumor that Elijah has returned. 
The disciples tell Jesus that some are saying he's the new Elijah, and just before today's passage, Jesus is transfigured up on the mountaintop. And who shows up? Moses and Elijah. Jesus is headed to Jerusalem, but he needs to stop along the way in a Samaritan village. Now, you've heard about the Samaritans repeatedly in the Gospels. There's the story of the Good Samaritan, there's the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well that Jesus talks to, but it's helpful to know a little bit of the background that led to the animosity between Jewish people and Samaritans. The text says that the Samaritans did not receive Jesus because his face was set to Jerusalem. What does that mean? Samaritans were viewed by the Jews as a separate, distinct, ethnic, and religious group, different than themselves. Samaritans were people who lived between Judea in the south, Galilee in the north, in a region that had once been the northern kingdom of Israel. In other words, Samaritans were once part of the entire people of Israel until the Assyrians came, 722 BCE, conquered and assimilated the entire area. Samaritans were the local folks who, although they were once part of Israel, began to do things differently based on the influence of the Assyrian culture that had dominated them. And one of the main differences that they held with the people of Judea in the south was where the true central place of worship was. Judeans believed the temple in Jerusalem to be the holy site of true worship. But Samaritans disagreed. They believed that their temple in Shechem or Mount Gerizim was the real holy site of true worship. Samaritans and Jews fundamentally disagreed on which of them represented the true version of their religion. Each side thought they were right. And each side denounced the location of worship for the other. So when Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem and tried to pass through a Samaritan village on the way, they wanted nothing to do with him. It was customary for Samaritans to refuse helping pilgrims going to worship at what they regarded as the wrong sanctuary. So now you can understand a bit of the story. Why Samaritans and Judeans did not get along and why it's not surprising that Jesus gets turned away from this village. But what is surprising is how the disciples respond to this lack of hospitality. When James and John get word that they're not welcome in this Samaritan village, their immediate reaction is retaliation. Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? That's a nod to Elijah as well, if you notice. Remember, Elijah is in the air. And one of the things Elijah had done was call down fire from heaven on the prophets of Baal, who were leading the people in false idolatrous worship. Now, what's ironic is at the beginning of this very chapter that all this happens in, is Jesus sent the disciples out and he told them this, wherever they do not welcome you, as you are leaving that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Somehow, the disciples heard, shake the dust off your feet, 
and interpret it as ask God to smite them. The disciples have totally missed the point. The point that the disciples have missed is that following Jesus means rearranged priorities. Following Jesus means treating people differently. Following Jesus means breaking with cultural expectations that are placed on you. Following Jesus means that your interactions with people are different than how the world tells you to treat people. The way our culture influences you to think and speak and act in the world is not always aligned with the way of Jesus. Listen to those words from Galatians again. I put the whole reading up there, but I want to point out certain parts. You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters and siblings. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become servants of one another. Live by the Spirit, not by strife, not by jealousy, not by anger, not by quarrels, not by dissensions, not by factions, but by the fruit of the Spirit which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That means loving your neighbor, even and especially when you do not agree with them. If your attitude is to call down fire from heaven on those with whom you disagree, if, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Jesus has love, joy, and peace for you. Jesus has patience, kindness, and generosity for you. Jesus is faithfulness and gentleness and self-control for you. And you are in Jesus and called to abandon the ways of the world, to not put a hand to the plow and look back. Your identity in Jesus supersedes all other aspects of your life. May God enable you to live by the Spirit and to live in love. Amen.